It is good to be back, and uh, yeah, Steve is going to be here next week. It'll be exciting to get him back with us um, and to hear of his stories of going out, visiting our missionaries in Africa. That was one of the main things that uh, he did uh, during his sabbatical time, and uh, we're really looking forward to that, uh, which also brings uh, me up. Uh, she's not here this service, but last service we uh, prayed for Audrey Bond, uh, and she is heading out for nine months to the mission field. And we just absolutely think the world of our missionaries. Uh, we think that they're rock stars here uh, for what they do. And uh, so we wanted to uh, pray for her as she ventures out for her, her new adventure. She's visiting six countries in the next nine months uh, as a missionary. So um, she is up in the youth room uh, right now. Uh, but we pray for her uh, last year. So if you see the Bond family, uh, by all means, uh, uh, give Audrey a hug and uh, wish her the best as she embarks on her um, on her mission. Uh, so we're looking forward to hearing her when she comes back. Um, Steve will be here next week. And uh, so I'm filling in. If you heard me two weeks ago, uh, you know that I told you that uh, Steve did not give me direction for what to speak on uh, two weeks ago and again this week. So I get to take full liberties on uh, what to speak on. So, um, And so what I chose to speak on for this week is more in the vein of um, of a coach, and and I kind of want to answer the question of of what are we supposed to do? Now I know that that's a very generic question. And you're like, I don't get it. Okay, well let me let me fill it in a little bit better. What are we supposed to do as a church? And it's still kind of vague. Uh, so what are we supposed to do as a church to support not only each other, but also to support our senior pastor? Uh, we. Uh, have been very fortunate to um, to have Steve with us for for many many years. I've I've lost track of, of how many uh, years he has been our senior pastor here. Many of us in this room go back with Steve to uh, the North Shore days, our parent church, where he served there for for many many years. Um, and so we're very blessed uh, as a church. We've uh, been able to uh, send him out on a sabbatical just to be refreshed and visit missionaries and, and do all those things. Um, and um, and we're so excited to have him back. But there's many things that we can do as a church to support our senior pastor and our entire church staff. Now, for a pastor to stand up here and give the message I'm about to give comes off as self, self-serving. Uh, I can give this message because I'm not a pastor. I'm not on staff at the church. Uh, I'm not an elder. I did serve for an elder for six years. If you're not familiar with our structure here at Northview, um, our elders serve six-year terms. And so uh, I did serve a term, but I'm off now. Uh, So this is not a self-serving message for uh, for me. Um, Yes, I am very close to Steve, and we're very good friends. Uh, So, um, But this is more of a message from, I want you to take it in the vein of a coach talking about fundamentals. Uh, and being able to talk about what are the fundamental ways that we as a church can support one another. Now, I uh, went to a football game, and if you know me, you know that I don't follow football, and I have never really seen much of a game. So um, it was a high school game, and it's great when you go to a game that you know nothing about. Um, and so I'm standing there next to my friend, and uh, and the team that I'm supposed to be rooting for, I kept losing track, so I was asking him, Uh, Is it the blue team or the right team we're rooting for? It's like this blue team. Okay, blue team. Yay, go blue team, whatever your names are. Um, And so so I'm at the game, and uh, and, uh, the team we're supposed to be rooting for were were struggling. Now, they're up against a very good opponent, but they were kind of struggling a little bit. And uh, so my friend is staying next to me, and he says, oh, they're, they're really sloppy on the basics. They're really sloppy on the fundamentals. And I'm just like nodding. Oh, yeah, I totally see that. 
Um, and he's like, oh, they're just not doing good blocking or tackling. And I'm like, oh, yeah, blocking, tackling, not good. And I'm like Googling, what is blocking and tackling? Because I just am not much of a football um, follower. So, but what he was really able to explain to me was, you know, in football, uh, you know, the whole point is like to e- either to be, if you're on the offense, to be blocking so that your players can have the best chance of success. And if you're on the defense, you've got to tackle the other team so that they don't have a good chance of success. And so that's the whole fundamental of the games. And like he says, it's clear that our team needs to really go back to practice and work on the fundamentals because that will make the biggest difference in their success as a football team. And, and I mean, I do coach. I coach uh, cross-country and track. And it's the exact same thing with that sport as well. There's fundamentals that that's where you always start with. But you always realize that when things start to kind of not go so well for an athlete, what do we do? Let's go back to the fundamentals. So the message I want to give you is how can we best support our pastor? And it's a back to the basics fundamental. Now, I am not suggesting that we are doing a poor job of this. So I don't want you to think that. I don't want you to think that I'm here saying, oh, you know, bad, bad, bad church. You're not doing a good job. No, as a a church, we do a good job. But we are called to be the body of Christ. We are called to be one body. And it's different parts. And Steve is part of that body. And our other pastors are part of that body. And the church staff is part of that body. It's different roles, but so are all of us in this church. Now, I had some great illustrations. Margaret, um, who works up in the office, uh, she uh, got a hold of me earlier this week. And she says, hey, I need your slides. And I says, okay, I've got some slides for you. And she says, do you have any pictures you want to show? And I says, yes, as a firefighter and a paramedic, I've got some great pictures to, to, to really illustrate the body mentality, because I got some good pictures of bodies all put together, and I got pictures of bodies all scattered apart. They're going to be awesome. And, and, and Margaret said, and, and only as Margaret can say, she says, you know, that might be distracting. <laughs> so I'm sorry to say there's no photos of body parts that we're going to look at. So use your imagination. But I want you to just know from somebody who has a medical background that bodies work better when they're together all in one piece. Okay, you scatter them and they don't work so well anymore. So and and it's that complement of the bodies being together, working together. That really is where we can find our strength as a church. So we're going to look at that this morning. Now, one of the first things that we can do as a church to be strong and to really support our pastor is to pray. Prayer is so, so important. And I know we've heard Steve talk about prayer. Um, And and I know it feels like he just keeps hitting the same drum over and over. You ready to be uncomfortable? Are you praying with your spouses? How many times have we heard that from Steve? But not only is prayer so important for us, but but let me go a, a step further. Are we praying for our leaders? Do we pray for Steve? Do we pray weekly for him? Uh, are we praying that, um, that the Lord would give him wisdom for the various circumstances he has to face? Are we praying for him and his family and balancing the, the ministry life with, with his family life, both as a husband and a father? Um, are we praying that uh, the Lord would protect him against sin and, and sexual impurity? There's so many pastors that are taken out by, uh, by sexual impurity. Are we praying for strength for our pastoral team for that? 
Um, are we in, uh, praying that they'll experience um, encouragement in their, in their preaching, in their sharing of the word to us? Lifting up our leaders in prayer is so important. And we see so many areas in the scriptures where it, 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 it admonishes us as members of the church to be praying for our leaders. We see that in Ephesians. We see it in Colossians. Colossians 1.9 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as, we, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Are we praying? that prayer about Steve that he would be blessed in the good fruit because we're the benefits of that prayer is so so important when it comes to encouraging somebody and that's the next thing encouragement they say that um, being a pastor is one of the most difficult jobs in the world because everybody's quick to Complain to him. Everybody's quick to, you know, point out the shortcomings of, of him or the church or whatever. But rarely does a pastor get the encouragement. Uh, and it really can be one of the toughest jobs that's out there. I, I heard it said this way. Being a leader of a local church is one of the hardest and most complicated jobs in the world. It requires extraordinary leadership, a deft hand at navigating politics, because there's politics in every church, and a tender heart. That's what we ask our, our pastors to do. And I think the role of a pastor is, is, is very, very difficult. And, and I work in a profession as a firefighter, and they say, oh, it's the most stressful job in America. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You know, if something's on fire, I throw water on it. It's, it's a piece of cake, okay? It's not that hard. Um, but, uh, but being a pastor and all the things that they go through is, um, it's tough. And I don't think we appreciate how tough it is. Are you ready for some sobering statistics about pastors? 50% of all pastors feel unable to meet the needs of their job. That the needs are so great that half of pastors out there feel like that they, they don't have the ability to meet those needs. 75% of all pastors report severe stress causing anguish, worry, bewilderment, anger, depression, fear, and alienation. 90% work more than 50 hours a week. 94% feel under pressure to have a perfect family, the whole living in a glass house. And then the most sobering of all, 1,500, that's 1,500 pastors will leave the ministry every month due to burnout, conflict, or moral failure. 1,500 a month. That's staggering. That's the pressure that pastors live underneath. And I think it's important for us to understand that because when we understand what is on the shoulders of our staff and our pastors, then we can stop and, and, and realize, wow, I really need to do everything I can do to support them and to lift them up. And that's where encouragement is so important. They need plenty of encouragement. Are we writing notes to them and saying, hey, thank you so much for what you do? And if you write a note, be specific. Don't just say, hey, Steve, good job. Okay, okay he gets enough of that. Um, but say, hey, Steve, thank you so much. That message you gave really hit me. It, it really helped me you know, process some things I was struggling with. Or, hey, Steve, you know, when you just stopped by me in the hallway real quick and just kind of shook my hand but then asked about how my mom was doing, that meant so much to me, you know, that you remembered that, you know, my mom was sick or ill or in the hospital or whatever. Be specific on that. Um, it really, really helps um, our pastors. 
And then, um, again, if you talk to them in person, I, I think sometimes people are afraid to talk to pastors, um, you know, because it's like, oh, well, they're so busy and, you know, they're so high and mighty and all this stuff. And no, talk to them. They're, it, Steve likes talking to people. OK, it's kind of a mystery to me. I'm an introvert, but um, he loves talking to people. I mean, he just comes alive. That's why you heard Rob say we can't keep the guy away. He's supposed to be on sabbatical and he keeps showing up again. That's the beauty we have in our senior pastor. And we also need to understand that pastors are people too. We tend to put them up on a pedestal or think that they're some kind of a different whole species other than a human um, kind of a thing. Now, I first met Steve when I was in high school. He was my youth pastor. That happened a long time ago. I won't tell you exactly how long ago, but I've been married for over 30 years. If that puts it in any context, it goes way, 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 way back. Okay? At the time, it was a very, very small youth group. There was just me and about uh, four or five other guys, and there was no room to meet in the church, and so we had to meet at somebody's house. And they had a split-level house, and uh, the girls met upstairs, and the boys met downstairs, and it was a few blocks away from the church. Now, me and the other guys, we did not think of Steve as a normal person. Uh, we thought he was a pastor. And so what we decided to take upon ourselves was that we would see if we could get Steve to be more like a normal person. And the, the, the best way that we could do that was to see, could we get Steve to get angry? Uh, could we push enough buttons to get him to do something? So before every uh, youth group, what we did was we would, we would kind of meet together. We'd all get there early. Um, and the first thing we do is we hid our Bibles in the bushes out front. Okay, because if you showed up without your Bible, oh, that really set them off right away. Okay, so we make sure we hid them. We had them with us, but we just put them away. Um, and then we came up with a plan. And this is how the plan worked with Steve. We said, okay, but he's not in the room yet. So we're together. And he says, okay, let's come up with something this week. Um, and it was always like some kind of a bet, like a, like a, like a little pool thing of how, how long will it take before Steve swears? Says a swear word. And, and the guys would be like, no, we did that last week. Okay, let's come on that way. Um, oh, I got one. How long until Steve gets so mad he throws something? Like, oh, that's a great one. Okay. So then we start putting down the bets. I say, I say seven minutes. Oh, I say nine minutes. And then somebody would say, you know what? I overheard Steve say to somebody that he's not going to let us get under his skin this week. And they're like, okay, four minutes tops. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> This is going to be good. So, um, so we'd all take our bets. I, you know, we'd all uh, had our different times, whatever. And then, and Steve would walk in, and he'd start. Of course, first thing he'd say is, "Where's your Bibles?" We acted like we'd never heard of what one of those were before in his life. Like, what's a Bible? You know. And then, and he'd start talking. We'd get back to him, and pretty soon he'd get so frustrated with us because we're just like needling him and poking him on stuff that he'd like throw something down, and we're like, "Woohoo! What was the time, Kevin?" And he'd like look at his watch and he said, five minutes." Like, "Woo! Nate wins!" And oh my goodness, would he blow up after that? Oh wow. <laughs> Boy, oh boy, did the fireworks go off. And it was like, blah, blah, blah. You guys aren't paying attention. I don't, I don't know what it was because we really weren't paying attention. But, um, and then after it was all over, we would walk down to 7-Eleven, which is just a couple blocks away because the winner got a free Slurpee. So the, the losers had to buy the winner a Slurpee. And, and I remember walking down and, um, and, and two of the guys that were just really just, just gentle, gentle spirit, um, Dale Agner and uh, and Kevin Teague, and, and uh, they, were, they were asking, do you really think it's, it's fair to be needling Steve like this all the time? And, and I remember one of the other guys saying, he's a pastor. And the intent was, he's not a real person. He's just, I mean, he's like a, 
a different category. Okay, that's how we thought as teenagers. Now, I have come to know later uh, that that's not the case. And I can tell you, every one of those guys in there, those five guys, are still very much involved in ministry, very much walking with the Lord. Um, sadly, one of them, as, as you heard this summer, Eric Lucas uh, was one of those people, and he is with the Lord. Uh, he, he passed away um, tragically last month. So, But um, Steve had a big influence, but we didn't realize he was just a regular person. And we treated him differently. Now, we were like needling, but, but the sense of, I remember that one time walking down the road of, well, it's not like he's a real person. He's a pastor. No, he is a person. And do we recognize that? That he has feelings. He has emotions. Um, but more importantly, when they, you know, with feelings and emotions, as a real person, he's going to make mistakes. Pastors make mistakes. What's our response when they make a mistake? Are we forgiving? Or are we accusational? Uh, and so many churches, once they see their pastor make a, a mistake, it's pounce on it. And, oh, see, look, they're no good and all this stuff. And we all of a sudden start to see these divisions occur in the church. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But when pastors make mistakes, what is our response? Another big thing that we can do to support our church and our pastor as a body of Christ is to volunteer. And, and I love this question. How many people does it take to run a church? And the answer is, no one knows. And why doesn't anybody know? Because no church has ever had enough. We don't know how many. And I mean, obviously, that's a, you know, a, a statement meant to you know, kind of rattle your cage. And if it rattles your cage, then good. That's what I was hoping for. Um, but... We just had Rob stand up here and say, hey, lots going on this fall. If you want to help, we'd love your help. Um, and you hear that every single week. Hey, we'd love your help. We've got stuff coming up. Are we stepping up and are we helping and are we being involved? Now, I know that two weeks ago I gave a message on balance in your life and not getting too busy. Now, here I come back and say, you need to get more busy, okay? No, 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 no. What I said last week is, do we have balance in our life? And what is the first thing that tends to drop off? When we get too busy, God and our involvement in church. And it was the, the message two weeks ago was about balance. But are we putting God first in our lives? And what is God asking to do? We're not asking you to do anything that the Lord's not already putting on your heart. But are you being willing for that? And volunteering is a big thing. Because what happens if we as the church aren't stepping up and helping is all of those responsibilities land on the staff and the senior pastor. And I can't tell you how many times I've been in here in this room at 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and Steve, our senior pastor, is vacuuming the floor. Now, he is a servant leader. So honestly, to get the vacuum away from him is a chore because that's what he loves doing. But the truth is, he's doing it because he recognizes if I don't do this, it's not going to get done because there's nobody that we can get to do this. Um, and, and those are the kind of things of he's right if... We don't have anybody else stepping up, and so it's got to get done. So he's doing it. The other staff is doing it. Are we willing to step up and help and to volunteer for those things? What I always like to say is church is not meant to be a spectator sport. It's meant to be involved. Uh, and it's not the pastor's job. And then we you know, just kind of like get to watch them do all the work. No, it's a, it's a body. Remember, we're all supposed to be working together. We're all supposed to be you know, working. So um, 
That's the whole idea. The early church in Acts, if you read Acts, you see the, you see the early church all coming together because everybody was jumping in. Everybody had to, to pull together and, and, and to, to help lead. And also, when we say getting involved, yes, it may mean stepping out of your comfort zone. It may mean saying, hey, are you willing to lead a connect group or lead a Bible study? And I know right there you go, oh, I can't lead a Bible study. I've never done that before. I, I don't have the biblical background. I can't do that. Well, actually, you learn best by teaching. How many of us have, have figured that out? So in the fire department, we have the academy. We take these brand new people that want to be firefighters. We put them through an academy and we teach them how to do all the different skills. And then what we do, this really scares them to death. It's awesome. um, Is we say, okay, I just taught you how to to throw a ladder. It's grabbing the ladder off the truck and throwing it up against uh, the side of a house in one, one, one move. Great. You just learned that technique. Now I want you to go in and teach it to the firefighters in the station. And they're all like traumatized because they're like, those guys have been doing this for like over 20 years. Why do they need to learn this? Oh, yeah, they don't need to learn it, but I want you to go teach it to them as if they don't know. Because by the time you're done teaching them all the steps that you just learned, you're going to have it locked in and sealed. We learn best by teaching. So if, if you don't feel comfortable studying your Bible, perfect, lead a Bible study. I promise you by the end, you'll feel a lot more comfortable. Stepping out of our comfort zone to do that. Real similar to that is just, are we supporting our church? Again, kind of that same vein. Uh, we have lots of different ministries that we do here at, at Northview. And, and to step in and support those ministries is huge. Ministries like Alpha. We just saw a video on Alpha. And you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't know anybody to invite. Great, come anyway. Because you can be, uh, you can be somebody who interacts with the, the people that maybe others invited. And they're like, oh, we get to know them. But, um, you know, those are the kind of things that support step by step. And so many of us help out in step by step. And it's a huge, huge ministry that we do in December. But that's a great example. That ministry doesn't happen unless we have, I think it's like 300 volunteers or something like that, that, that come together and help out. That's what it means to step in and to support. And like a step by step, if you've been involved in that, you see how awesome it is to get a huge group of people working together for a common goal. But that's just one event. Well, church is supposed to be that same thing. All of us coming together to work towards a common goal in glorifying Christ is what it's all about. And then this is, I think, an important one. Listen, feedback, and listen. Yes, listen is up there twice. No, that's not by accident. Uh, and I know you've heard that God gave us two ears and one mouth, you know, and so we should listen twice as much as we speak and all that stuff. But this is kind of more like the idea of a, of a conversation. We're a family. We're a church family. Families talk to each other. They have conversation. Sometimes they have disagreements and they talk it out. And that's kind of what this is is all meant to do. When you're listening to Steve, when he's giving a message, are you actively listening? Some of you like taking notes. That's great. Some of you notes are too distracting. You don't take notes. That's fine too. But are you actively listening? Or is it like, okay, I drove to church. I'll take a nap. I'll wake up. I'll drive home. I went to church. Okay. No, are you actively listening to what Steve is teaching us? And then are you providing feedback? Yeah, it's okay to walk up to the pastor and say, you know what? I don't know that I fully agreed with you on that point. I don't think that's what this passage is, is talking about. Or, uh, you know, um, again, Steve's a normal person. Uh, he's very versed in, in theology and Bible and all stuff, but there's, you know, some passages that have 
you know, we don't know what the exact maybe meaning is. There's some theologians think this, some theologians think this. And as a pastor, you have to like say, oh, I'm, I kind of think this one. It's okay to disagree with them, but do it respectfully and provide that feedback. That's so important. But then listen again. Uh, so I'll go up to Steve and, and I may disagree with him on something. And when Steve and I, we did ministry for a while, for many years, I was a youth pastor or junior high pastor under, um, on addition to being a firefighter, my off days, I worked as a junior high pastor under Steve as a, uh, at Northview. And he would say to me, you know, there's going to be times where we disagree. And I thought, you know, oh, that's so refreshing. Now, I actually kind of took that to be disagree with everything he says so i for a long time just like he'd say something and you know like oh it's a nice day out today no it's not and so um just to just to really get him but um but that was that you know it's okay to disagree but we got to talk it out and be respectful but then after we would talk it out i would listen to him again because the truth was he was my leader and i knew i was under his leadership and we as a church are under the leadership of our senior pastor. First Thessalonians 5.12 We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And again in Hebrews 13.17 Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. It says we are to be under the submission and leadership of our leaders. Now, we're not talking about blind submission under an abusive leader. And certainly none of, it, none of us would, would think of Steve as any kind of an abusive leader or any of our other staff members. Um, but what the passage is saying is, yeah, we've got leaders in our church and we need to be under their leadership. So listen, yeah, provide feedback and listen again because they are our leaders. And then it's also important to invite we just saw the great video on how to invite somebody to something like Alpha, but I guess the same would apply to inviting somebody to church. Um, and we've had different, we just had last week, we had church in the park. And of course, would we say, hey, go invite your friends. You know, it, it may be they're willing to come to a church in the park as opposed to coming here. Uh, you know, Easter, great time to invite family. Christmas, great time to invite friends and family. I mean, it's, uh, there's all these like, you know, special events that we put on that, that we think about inviting people. But what about just in general, like just on a... Hey, it's going to be a nice Sunday at, at church and you want to come along. Because a growing church is a healthy church. Uh, and as we see, again, the illustration of the body, babies are this tall and adults are this tall, so there's a healthy, natural growing progression. Um, and when a, a child stops growing, everybody freaks out and rushes them to the doctor. What's wrong? Why are they not growing? Okay? The church is no different. A church needs to be growing. And how many pastors are jazzed when they see the numbers continue to increase? That's what really builds encouragement in them. They just love, love seeing that. And then sharing. This kind of goes along the lines of that volunteerism, but, but, but it's a little bit different. Um, we always say here at Northview, we want you to share your time, your talents, and your tithe as a church. That, that invest in your church, in your time. You know, volunteer, help out in different areas. Share your talents. God has gifted you in certain ways that we need. Um, I mean, we see the worship team up here. They, they play incredibly. They have wonderful voices. Okay? That's a great talent that they have. Um, and so they're sharing their talents with the rest of the church. And yes, sharing your tithe. 
uh, that, that, you know, the church has financial responsibilities and things that we would love to do, but we're always uh, tend to be capped underneath that. Can we afford to do it? And the concern is, is that when, and it's not just Northview, it's, it's all churches. When money starts to get tight, what does that do to the staff? It's, it just puts more and more pressure on them. And all of a sudden they start having to spend more time worrying about how do we squeeze every nickel out of our budget and how do we do with less and how to make all this stuff. And all of a sudden they're operating under pressure. And if we operate under pressure, we end up not being very effective. And all, you know, Steve has, has coached us so well. He said, you know what? If, if everyone just gave what the Lord put on their heart, we'd have more than enough. Uh, but that's such an important part of supporting not only your church, but also your pastor. Um, and I'm not meaning that, you know, yeah, we tithe and then he gets a paycheck. No, I'm not meaning that. I'm just meaning the pressure of having to be under constant how are we going to float this church financially really, really weighs on uh, our staff, our senior pastors, our elders. Um, it really does. And, and being faithful and obedient to the Lord in those areas of sharing our time, our tithes, and our talents um, is so important. We see in Corinthians, um, uh, you know, Paul's encouragement. Wow, you guys really need to give and support the church. Um, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. Um, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. I mean, he's saying, look, guys, we've we got to support the church. You've got to support it. Um, and, and I think that Paul would be saying the same thing to us. And then lastly, protect. Are you protecting the dignity of the church and its leaders? Or when something goes wrong or Steve makes a mistake or whatever, do you end up falling into the bad habit of gossip? And they say that gossip is the great destroyer of churches. Nothing tears a church down and apart faster than gossip. Um, divisions occur when we stop protecting the church and instead become selfish and demand our own agenda. That's gossip. And if we're demanding our own agenda, well, that's pretty much the definition of sin, is I want to do my own thing and go my own way. Uh, And so then our sin becomes the divisiveness that pulls and splits the church apart. And it's interesting that churches fail and divided and all stuff because of sin running rampant where this is supposed to be where we're supposed to come and lay our sins at the foot of the cross. Uh, and so we have, we're so blessed to have a leader in Steve that is so gracious with us and so patient and understanding to help us work on as a body, as a community on our sin. And if we don't take that, or if we take that for granted and start falling into those gossip patterns, then it just tears us apart so, so quickly. 1 Corinthians 1.10, this is again Paul talking to the Corinthian church. We're going to look at another thing in just a little bit where he's saying, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you perfectly join together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Paul's saying you can't be divided. And Paul's really struggling with the Corinthian church of like, guys, I'm hearing all sorts of crazy stuff going on there. You need to be unified. And gossip is something that really takes, takes root and takes hold and pulls so many churches apart. Remember I said 1,500 pastors get taken out each month. And sometimes that's from churches just imploding. So are you protecting the church? Are you protecting 
our, our pastor? Are you protecting? Talk to him. If you have a difference of opinion with him, then go talk to him. If, if you got an issue, go talk to him. That's biblical. You got something with, you know, you got a, an offense against a brother or a sister, you go talk to that person. If you don't feel you got good resolution, that's why we have an elder board. That's why we're structured the way we are. If you go talk to Steve and say, hey, Steve, I don't like you like this. And he's like, oh, okay. Then go talk to the elder board. Hey, I went to Steve. You know, can we help resolve this? That's why we are the way we are. Interesting that the Apostle Paul um, was talking about you know, divisions in the church and all that stuff. And when we t- come to communion, we're going to take communion just a little bit. And very often in a communion, we always say the, the um, passage um, in Corinthians where Paul is saying, um, the Lord Jesus on the same night, which he was betrayed, took bread, gave thanks, broke it, said, take it, remember me. Okay, that's, that's right out of the scripture, right out of Corinthians. But it's interesting what happens before that. So I'm going to actually ask the, uh, the guys um, to, to, that are going to help serve uh, communion, if you can uh, get up and start serving it. While they're, while they're serving that, I want you to put that that piece of scripture into context of what Paul was talking about because he was addressing the Corinthian church. Remember, we just read Corinthian church was having some issues with division. They weren't doing everything well. And it's interesting, what was, what was occurring that caused Paul to really give that, here's what communion is all about. And again, I'm not saying that we're doing this. I am very proud of Northview. I think we are a very supportive church and all that stuff. But it's always good to put things into the context uh, that we need to put them into. This is Corinthians 11, starting with verse 17. So, I'm just going to just grab one of these real quick. Oh, thanks. And this is what it says. Again, this is Paul talking to the uh, Corinthian church. He says, now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you. Well, that can't be good. <laughs> Paul's saying, I am not happy with what is going on. Since you came together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together to the church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. When one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. Paul is frustrated. He's like, this is not going well, people. Even just taking communion, people are like, oh, get out of my way. I'm trying to in this. And then they're like just hoarding all the stuff. And they're like, you know, eat your meal before you come to church. Don't get drunk on the wine and eat all the stuff. So Paul's really like saying, guys. This is not how we, how we do church together. And then he says, the, the, the familiar passages, what we all say. So, so again, it's in context of him kind of admonishing him, saying, guys, we can do better. It says, for I received from the Lord, which I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, the cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats or drinks, the, 
eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and the blood of the Lord. Let each man examine himself. And he goes on to continue to, to give him direction. But you get the point that what, what Paul's always saying is, you know, when we stop and take communion, it is our time as a church, as the body of Christ to say, let's stop and think about what did Christ do for us? What is the gospel, the good news? This summer we had, you know, Jan came and gave us a, you know, four weeks of this is the good news. This is the gospel, what, what Christ did for us, our repenting. For the kingdom of heaven is here. And are we willing to turn back from our sinful ways, our sinful desires, and turn back to what the Lord would have for us to do? And that's what Paul's asking the Corinthians to do here. And he's saying, look guys, when we come to the cross, we do so understanding what the cross represents. And it represents that we are to be working together as a church because of what Christ has done for each of us individually. And so we have these illustrations. We have the bread that represents Christ's blood. Uh, I'm sorry, Christ's body that was broken for us. We have the cup that represents his blood, which is the new covenant. And as we pause, we pause making sure that we're right before the Lord and that as a congregation, we as a church are here to be unified, to work together as the body of Christ, supporting each other and supporting our leaders. Um, because it's for what Christ did for us on the cross through the good news of his gospel that, uh, that we can now stand together. So as Paul directed the Corinthians, he said, this bread is the body of Christ. And as we take and eat, we reflect on that. Do in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. And right out of the passage, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's drink together. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And as they're coming up, <clears throat> I want to again stress, this message does not come out of that I think or any of the staff thinks or the pastors think that Northview is doing any of this wrong. Northview is doing it really well, in fact. And I know if Steve were here, he'll be here next week, but he would say, Northview is awesome. This is a coach saying, we can never lose sight of the basics. We can never lose sight of the fundamentals because those are always the things we need to be building the foundation on. So it's as much of a saying of, great job, but can you ever be perfect at tackling and blocking if you're a football player? No, there's always work to do. Um, basketball, you're always going to be perfect at laying in the shots. No. Track, you're always going to be perfect at doing the pole vault. No. You can always get better, so we always go back to the fundamentals. That's my intent for us this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for reminders. We thank you for, um, for Steve and for the other pastors here at Northview and the, the, the staff and how much they are such great, gentle servant leaders. And Lord, help us to be about a congregation that can support them the best and support each other. And Lord, we know in your word that you spoke to us of the great commandment, the great commission, all those things. And you asked us to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And you asked us to love each other 
as we love ourselves. Lord, help us to carry that out, to be a body of Christ, loving each other, supporting one another, and loving you above all else. And Lord, we just uh, pray um, for Steve as he comes back refreshed and and, and encouraged. Um, And we look so much forward to having him back with us. In your name we pray. Amen.